Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, of course you do. Well, then just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. What did I do? <laughs> I hit something wrong. Okay, we'll just we'll just let it go. <laughs> ah, it's Halloween Horror Month. These things happen. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. My name is Derek Diamond, and the ghosts have invaded the podcast. Yes, they have. I couldn't decide on what Halloween uh, theme I wanted to do tonight. I did have this one, but I want to save this for the actual Halloween show. Yeah, I have to save that one. I want to save that for the actual Halloween show, so... I didn't want to do the to. same. I didn't want to do the same theme I did last week, and I, I don't know. I need to get some more Halloweeny type stuff. And Rampage just joined us. Um, we have a full what chat room tonight, and uh, I'm glad because before we get started on everything tonight, we have to talk about. You know, this is. I know this is a, a video game show, but we can't <laughs> not talk about the humongous void that was left in the universe yesterday with the the passing of Mr. Edward Ludwig Van Halen and um I don't know if I could overstate how important Van Halen has been to me not only as a musician but just my love for that band and and those guys and you know Van Halen's been one of those things like it, I, you know, you you know, I love Star Wars and all that stuff, but I think my love for Van Halen goes beyond even all that. Like, Van Halen has been one of those things that's been there since before I can even remember. Like, I couldn't even tell you the first time I heard a Van Halen song because they've always been there. And, uh, you know, it was even though I I didn't turn out to be a guitar player, you know, I he was still one of the biggest influences on me as a musician and wanting to be a musician and picking up an instrument and playing it. And I don't think there's been a day go has gone by since I was a little kid that I haven't listened to at least one Van Halen song every single day of my life. And now that he's gone, it's like, I don't even know how to process it. It's like it's like a huge. It's like a friend gone. And I'm gonna shut up and let you <laughs> say some words too. Yeah, it's one of those things that you know I mentioned before we started the show that when I read it, I initially didn't really know what to think because I was just like, "Holy crap!" Eddie Van Halen passed away, and then I, I read a little bit about the article stating that, you know, he'd actually been battling throat cancer for many years. 
And I didn't even know about that. Like, I had no idea that he had been sick for yeah. as long as he was. Well, I, you know, being a super Van Halen fan that I am, you know, I follow a bunch of uh, Van Halen uh, Twitter uh, people, and um, I listen to the Dave and Dave podcast and just trying to soak up every little bit of information that, that comes out of Van Halen, you know, because they're notoriously... Um, you know, they're just so notoriously like private and don't put things out there. And what little news leaks, it's like, oh my God, you know, like there was a picture that leaked of him a couple of months ago after he had had one of his, uh, had gone to Germany and had one of his, uh, radiation procedures and he was all bloated up and barely recognizable. And I was just like, man, I have a feeling that there's going to be that that day is going to be soon where we get the news that Eddie Van Halen has passed away. Yeah. Similar to what happened with Chadwick Boseman, mm -hmm. you know, what, what seems like yesterday, you know, I mean, I know you being a super fan, but I, I, I was one that, you know, yeah, I'm a kid of the nineties, but I grew up on a ton of eighties music and Van Halen was always one of those bands that stood out to me. Well, they were still it relevant like, in the 90s, too, you know? Yeah. I mean, they were, you know, with that last album that they put out with Sammy Hagar, Balance was, you know, that was a platinum album that just spawned out like four or five hits off of it, you know? And For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge was a 90s album, and even though nobody liked Van Halen 3, I still liked it, you know? But, I don't know, it's it's hard to process. It really is, and one of my favorite concert memories of all time, I actually got to see Van Halen with David Lee Roth back in the fall of 2015. They had a show in uh, Birmingham, Alabama at the amphitheater there, and the highlight of that whole show was when Eddie Van Halen just did this killer guitar solo, and looking around, and there were people who were crying. Mm -hmm. Because they were like he's to me easily top five best guitar player of all time. Like just watching him do what he does was incredible, and one of my favorite concert memories, you know, ever. And it will be until the day that I am no longer on this earth. Yeah. But and <clears throat> and um, Axeblade mentioned the chat too. Not just him, but also you know when Neil Pert died. Yeah. Earlier this year, so we lost two of the best musicians at their craft. You know, that the Neil, the Neil Peart one hit me really hard, but the Eddie one is even worse. And, and I, I don't really know why, you know, I, I love Rush. They're one of my favorite bands, but Van Halen was something beyond being just a favorite band. Like growing up, you know, in a musical family, my dad played guitar, my brother, my older brother played guitar. And, used to read all of my brother's guitar magazines. You know, Eddie was in like every guitar magazine every month. So there wasn't any shortage of reading about him, you know, back in the eighties. And then of course me and my brother had a VHS tape of live without a net that we just wore that tape out. My brother still has that VHS tape and you know, like posters on my wall and, to this day, like I just, I'm obsessed with Van Halen, just that band and their legacy and their mystique and 
I don't know. Losing Eddie is just like it's like losing a, a you know a, a cousin or something. You know, it's like it it's hitting me in a way that I really don't know how to process it. Like a, a huge, huge chunk of my childhood and life altogether is gone now, and that <clears throat> always wanting like a new album or something like, are they going to put out anything new? You know, a different kind of truth came out in 2012 and it was just like, man, are they, are they going to put out another album? Are they going to tour again? And then this is like, this is the final, uh, you know, this is like, it's never going to happen. There's never going to be, you know, another album or anything like that. No tours. And everybody's saying I should play eruption uh, in the in on the feed, but I really can't do that, or we're gonna get dinged. And I really wish I could. I wanted to play three sixteen as a tribute because you know that's one of my favorite solo songs that he did. And um, you know, I just I don't know what else to say other than you know he was. I I I, I think people are like really like right now are realizing you know how big of a force he was on music itself and with him gone it's it's kind of like you know it's just it's heavy man <laughs> it's a heavy heavy loss no it it absolutely is and it, it's van halen was one of those bands that really transcended their their field like you you know who van halen is even if you're not a big music fan mm -hmm. and I'm, honestly there, i don't really know anyone who disliked van halen yeah there's not a single person on this earth that you can't play you know the opening bars of jump and they don't know what that song is i mean three-year-olds know that song <laughs> like everybody knows that song they sold 56 million albums in America alone. So that tells you Jesus. something right there. Absolutely. But no, we'll, the, the good thing is if something good can come out of it is that we do still have the memories from being fans, watching them perform, memories that are associated with the songs. So th those will thankfully live on forever. You know, and Wolfgang, like, I'm really looking forward to <clears throat> his solo album because, you know, his dad helped him do a lot of stuff for that album. We still haven't heard anything from it. And, you know, they, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, speculation that the reason he hasn't released it is probably because, you know, Eddie's health was failing and he didn't want to release an album and then have to go out and, and tour to support it knowing that his dad was sick. So they probably knew he wasn't doing well for a while, but according to, you know, TMZ, he last 72 hours was pretty bad. He went downhill pretty fast. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I keep coughing. I'm, I'm emotions and <laughs> my throat's dry. No, no worries. No, I I totally get it. But it's a hard, it was a hard afternoon yesterday. Like, I, I just had to unplug from the world and look up Van Halen videos on YouTube all afternoon. And ugh, it's a shock, man. It's a, it's a hard yeah. shock to the system. And it's like, man, 
I don't know, like, <laughs> I just want to do something, you know? Like, I just want to, uh, like, do something in Eddie's name. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's it's weird. If it Like I, like I said, it feels like a cousin died or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm just jabbering. (laughs) I apologize. No, you have nothing to apologize for. But, uh, but let's move on. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about before we go into the, uh, the news for this evening? Um, I do have a rant about Facebook, but I'll save that for the end of the show. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, but let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Sure. Uh, from NintendoLife.com, this is so weird. Someone made an NES game that can track the International Space Station. Um, <clears throat> when Nintendo was putting together the final hardware for what would become the NES, it's unlikely that it would ever have envisioned the humble hardware being used for something like tracking the International Space Station. The ISS was launched in 98. That wouldn't have made much sense anyway. Here we are in 20. 20- 2020, where everything needs to be connected to the internet, including toasters and fridges, so why not the NES? Software developer V-Gray has created and released an International Space Station tracker for the NES, which is pretty cool. Using an NES game developed from the ground up and device, uh, and a device to send ISS tracking data to the game in the form of a button, uh, form of button presses through the controller. The ISS's position is displayed over a map in real time, showing where it is at any precise moment. And it shows a picture here, uh, a screenshot of it, showing you know, what it looks like. And it, it's pretty cool, actually. Um, uh, there's a big quote from, from the guy in here, V. Gray. Um, but if you'd like to read about this, you just go to uh, NintendoLife.com. It's one of the top stories. And I just want to add this in because this is just weird. Like, well, I don't understand why you would do this, but it's cool nonetheless. Is it sad that this seems normal by 2020 standards? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, the fact that someone would take an NES and build something to actually track a space station, that's like something you'd see in a movie. Yeah, That's th- actually really freaking cool. This is what happens when you have smart people locked inside for months. Yep. <laughs> and they have nothing else better to do. Now, and uh, I wonder why an NES, though. Well, like, Why said, that um, specifically? Uh, the it, NES is this- a computer and honestly one of my favorite computers to program for. This project, like many others I have created, is an attempt to show people... That very fact. The NES may not run anywhere near as fast as your phone, but it is still as about 40 times faster than the computer used for the Apollo 11 mission. Wow. It's crazy. That's insane. That That's really cool. There's a video also attached with the article that yeah. you, can, uh, you can check out as well. But let's see. Our next story also comes to us from NintendoLife.com. We've been talking about this, I feel like, off and on the last few weeks on the show, but Nintendo currently has no plans to end online services for the 3DS. Earlier this week, Nintendo confirmed the production of its mighty 3DS line had been officially discontinued. It brings an end to all six models in the 3DS family. The 3DS, the XL, new 3DS, 
new 3DS XL, the 2DS, <laughs> and the new 2DS XL. Try saying all of that five yeah. times fast. <laughs> Fortunately, there's still some life left in the system. In a statement to GamesIndustry.biz, a Nintendo spokesperson confirmed the 3DS's online services and eShop would be hanging around. It says here, uh, we currently have no plans to end any existing online services for the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. Online play and eShop will continue to be available, and it will be possible to access and re-download all previously purchased content in the foreseeable future. So, I know we've talked about this a few times, about how, you know, to me, the 3DS, their eShop is pretty underrated. You know, they've got most handheld games you can think of from like the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance era, but they even have some NES and in some cases, I think Super Nintendo games that you can download on the 3DS as well. And it's a really good handheld system. I know it's been kind of swept under the rug since the the Switch came out, but I still, every now and then, I like breaking out the, the 3DS and playing, you know, it's what I played Metroid 2 on when I reviewed that for mm. Metroid Month. Yeah, Mixmaster so, had it right. There are too many models, and it was so confusing. <laughs> no, he's, he's absolutely right. The fact that you had... It seemed like every year they were coming out with some type of new iteration of the mm-hmm. 3DS, and you're like, just let it breathe for a couple yeah. of years, and then you can do your XL or yeah. your 2DS, but it seems like every Christmas, get the new 3DS. I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> no, just... Don't don't get antsy, Nintendo. Yeah. It's okay. But I'm glad they're continuing it, though. Yeah, I figured they would keep it online for a while. It'll probably be, I'd say, a probably another good two years before they they discontinue it. Well, there's no reason to discontinue it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure with so, all the 3DSs that are out there, I mean, it's still a pretty popular system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for our next story, this is from kset.com. A new Super Mario game for Nintendo Switch available as free download for limited time with subscription. Uh, Super Mario Brothers has been a staple in video games since the original was released back in 1985. But now Nintendo is bringing those fond memories ba- uh, back with an added twist. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 35, available on the Nintendo Switch, matches you up against 34 other Marios in a sort of battle royale type setting. You can still do typical Mario stuff like jumping, collecting coins, getting power-ups, but the ultimate goal is to be the last player standing. Um, You only have a limited time to play. It's available from October 1st until March 31st, which I am am putting my foot in the ground right now and saying they are not going to get rid of this because this thing is actually doing really well. I played it for the first time about an hour ago before we we, uh, got ready for the show. And I got to tell you, I had a blast. I played about five rounds, and I was like, holy crap, this is what I'm doing for the rest of the night when the show's over with. Yeah, I still got to play this game. I've watched some videos of it. It looks great. Yeah. It it reminds me of a cooler version of Tetris 99. It's basically the same thing, but it's like it's Super Mario Brothers. And the secret to it is... Um, it's kind of hard to explain, okay? You, you play as just regular Mario Brothers, but as other people kill enemies and target you, those enemies go to you, sort of like you targeting uh, people in Tetris, 
and you get rid of lines, those lines go to another person. So it's sort of the same thing in Mario. So if you got a lot of people attacking you, you got a shit ton of enemies <laughs> starting to come on your screen. And um, so when you kill enemies, it actually adds time to your... You start off with like 30 seconds, but for each enemy you kill, it's like a second that you add. So if you get upgraded and you get the fire flower, it it's so cool like is to just go through and just mow through enemies and get the the invincible star and you have a ton of enemies coming at you and you're just oh it's so fun sending enemies to all all the people that are attacking you and then you get 20 coins and you have this little box um up in the corner and you hit the the x button i think and it spins sort of like you know like like um almost like a the question boxes in Mario Kart and you get like some sort of uh, upgrade or weapon or, you know, it, it's kind of like that where it cycles through the different things that you can up um, like a power up that you can get. So uh, I can't, that's as best as I can describe it. Once you play it, you get it. And I'm, I'm so excited for you to play this because I think we need to play together. <laughs> it's so fun. I can't wait to try it. I've as soon as I finish editing my show after this is done, I'll download it and check it out. And I'm telling you, they're not going to be able to pull this off the store because this thing is going to be a humongous hit. I'm telling you. I agree, but yeah. I have seen Nintendo do some really dumb decisions. And it makes the $20 per year worth it in my yeah. opinion. Between that Tetris 99 and what little they give us for the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I mean, those two games, Tetris 99 and, you know, Super Mario 35, make it worth it. For sure. And our last story comes to us from PCGamer.com. Atari VCS consoles finally on the way after significant delays. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm not surprised this came up because we haven't talked about it in a while. Here's what I have. More th- than th- this is this is how I feel about the Atari VCS. <laughs> I I would echo that sentiment. Mm-hmm. More than three years after it was first revealed, the initial batch of finalized Atari VCS consoles are finally ready to ship. At this moment, thousands of Atari VCS units are en route from a manufacturing facility in China to the United States, where they will then be sorted and sent out to Indiegogo backers, some of which pre-ordered the console as far back as May 2018. I hope they're not empty shells. Uh Uh, This is an encouraging development in what has been a somewhat discouraging, somewhat is putting it mildly, uh, road for backers and onlookers. I fall into the latter category having cut my console teeth on the original Atari 2600 in the 80s, before being drawn into the world of PCs by the way of the Commodore 64. From there, the rest is history. So it's been it's been a bit since this the Atari VCS has reared its ugly head uh, on the podcasting world. Uh-huh. I I just can't wait until people finally get their hands on this thing because I'm dying to hear what people think of it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very ugly situation once people actually get their hands on it. That's why I can't wait for it. Dude, this thing is dead on arrival, man. I'm telling you. D-O-A. 
Oh, Axeblade said he uh, finally got through on GameStop site and snagged an Xbox One X pre-order. Or did you Sweet. get an Xbox One X or an Xbox Series X? Because you got a One X, you didn't really upgrade. <laughs> I'm sure he meant Series. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah he X. said he meant Series. <laughs> did you hear about that? That the Xbox One X when the when it launched um, on Amazon, the uh, Xbox One X sales went up 700%. Good God. <laughs> I wonder how many <laughs> parents are going to be disappointed when uh, it's Christmas time and their kids get an Xbox One for Christmas. Twitter is going to be, as the kids say, lit. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you just got really blurry. There you go. Interesting. That was weird. I'm not that fast. <laughs> Um, but let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In October of 1980, Nichibutsu releases the vertically scrolling Crazy Climber, first video game with a climbing mechanic and an, object- an objective of climbing to the top of the level. This game has got some uh, serious... Uh, people that love this game. Like, this is... When you ask older people, like, I'd say probably 45 and older what their favorite arcade game of the 80s was, nine times out of ten, they're going to say Crazy Climber. And the crazy thing is, no pun intended, this actually came out before Donkey Kong. It's weird. So, it, it in a way, you could say it kind of set the precedent for Donkey Kong. In a way, because, yeah, I mean, Donkey Kong's credited for introducing the platforming aspect of it, which that I agree with. But if you look at the screenshot of having to climb the building, you kind of have to do the same thing with Donkey Kong. Yeah. So I wonder if there might have been a little bit of influence there. Eh, maybe. You know, it's Nintendo. They take uh, they take little bits here and little bits there and mash stuff together and make it better. Yes, yeah. what they do. On October 23rd of 1981, Frogger is distributed in North America by Sega Gremlin. Who doesn't love Frogger? Oh, Frogger's great. I used to love playing the Frogger on the Game Boy. It was so freaking fun. And still and my, it's my had, favorite. It's had some staying power, I think. My favorite Seinfeld episode, too. The Frogger episode. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> so good. I remember yep. Frogger was is still one of my favorite Atari Twenty Six Hundred games, one of the better uh, ports of an arcade game for the Twenty Six Hundred. Well, and you think of the games from that early '80s era, Frogger's got to be up there on the list as far as just recognizable. Like you, you mentioned a casual gamer's Frogger, and they know what it is. Oh yeah, Frogger's never gonna go away. It's, nope. it's just too bad he never got. Uh, to be Frogger never got to be a mascot like Pac-Man did. Yeah. Or we'd still be getting Frogger games today. Now, let's see. October of 1982, Gottlieb releases Cubert, and as you can look behind me, you see uh, Mario standing on a little tiny Cubert Cubert machine here. Nice. I love Cubert. That foul mouth little <laughs> little bastard. Yep. Always cursing. Yep. 
On October 5th, 1987, LucasArts releases Maniac Mansion, the first game to use the Scum engine, innovating the point-and-click interface for the adventure game genre. I like Maniac Mansion. Such a cool game. I still want to... Once I think maybe for the holidays, I might actually uh, uh, stream Day of the Tentacle Remaster because it's very good, and I didn't get very far in it, so I want to stream it and play it um, Mm -hmm. over the holidays. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. October 9th of 1988, Nintendo revamps Doki Doki Panic, releases it as Super Mario Bros. 2 for the NES in America and the PAL region. Birdo made her debut in this game and released in Japan as Super Mario USA in 1992. Who doesn't love Birdo? I know Birdo. I remember Birdo went, I think, on a little bit of a hiatus for a bit. And then she finally made a comeback. Because even after Mario Brothers 2, I remember she was in uh, Mario RPG because she was a sub-boss. And then what other game was she in around that time? She was in another Super Nintendo Mario game, I think. I don't remember. But I know they need to do a, a Super Mario, another like updated Mario game like Galaxy, but do it um, in another dream, a Mario dream, and go back to the world of Super Mario Brothers Two. I would love that. Subcon. Yeah, Subcon. I was trying to. Rem- I knew it was Sub something. I couldn't remember the name of it. Well, I remember in the early days of the show, this was one of the first games we reviewed, and we both. You know, praise Mario Brothers too, because a lot of purists don't like the fact that it was a revamped, um, you know, Doki Doki Panic. But I, love I, I really Mario like Bros. Mario Brothers too. I enjoyed whenever you know they released Mario All Stars for the Switch. That was the first game I went back mm-hmm. and played. Yeah, it's still it's because it's so different, and it's one of those games that was released back then where the second ones were so much different. You got your your Zelda two. Um, Link's Adventure or Adventure of Link and then you have you know Castlevania 2 and everybody was trying to do something different and it really didn't capture my imagination like the first ones did but Super Mario Brothers 2 was such a step up from Super Mario Brothers 1 and the gra- and honestly I still say the graphics of I like the 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 sprites of Super Mario Brothers 2 like the design of Mario and Luigi and Toad, I think they look better than they do on Super Mario Brothers 3, honestly. I don't disagree with that. I, I love the look of the world, and and I like the updated All-Stars version, but honestly, I think the original looks really good. It does. It still holds up. It's great. The graphics mm-hmm. were awesome. On October 15th of 1990, LucasArts releases The Secret of Monkey Island. Hmm. A lot of LucasArts this month. It won't be the last time you hear it. Yep. Too bad LucasArts still isn't around. That was a... Man, that was a seal of quality back in the day. I know, right? Speaking of LucasArts, I still need to go back and replay KOTOR 1 and 2. I need time! I need more time! (laughs) We both need, like, a month off to do nothing but play games. Just get locked in the house and just do nothing play video games. I don't I don't think it's so much to ask. No, no. I may I can, I'll ask my boss tomorrow. Like give me a month off paid for for <laughs> November. <laughs> I'm sure she'll go for that. Yeah. 
on October 8th of 1992, Midway Games releases the Mortal Kombat arcade game in North America, which features bloody fatalities, digitized characters, and started a franchise of games and movies. You said the thing. Fatality. People, people who have listened to our commentary will get that. Yes. <laughs> but no, I you mean... You said the thing. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at the iconic uh, arcade games, especially of the 90s. Mortal Kombat's got to be top three or the top yeah. you know like i when it comes to fighting games and i was never huge into that genre but i absolutely love the mortal Kombat games yeah so uh, i think it's really cool it's crazy to think that we're about to be on the 30 year anniversary of that i in know a couple of years I'm getting old man i don't yep. like it but if you still yep. haven't listened to the mortal Kombat commentary um i think uh did i have it released today i think i may go ahead and put it on the feed uh, and have it release Friday for uh, the regular on the regular feed here. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that tonight. Yeah, definitely go check it out if you um, if you have it yet. If you're a Patreon subscriber, uh, but to close us out for this month in video game history on October 31st of 1996, single track slash SCEA releases Twisted Metal 2 for the PlayStation. I miss Twisted Metal games. They need to bring them back. Again, that's another one that I'm thinking, why don't... What, what would it hurt for them to make another Twisted Metal game? Dude, that's, that's, that's a game that's already made for the uh, Battle Royale genre. You could reinvent the Sweet Tooth character. Yeah. Dude, what I think you could have, really like cool. a, have a whole, like, build-your-own-car section, like, make-your-own-character section... Oh, that'd be fun. I would be so into that. Absolutely. But before we go into our review for tonight, Derek has shout-outs. As always, we like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armez Jackson, Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. The Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey and Tyler Watson. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you keep us at the $50 level, we will continue to do fun commentary tracks, much like Mortal Kombat. And I think we're we're doing Mask of the Phantasm next, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. That'll be the next one. I'm excited for that one. I love that movie so much. We're getting better movies now, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know eventually we have to do Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, I know, but let's do some good stuff for a while. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But, uh, but yeah, thank you guys for being patrons. And if you'd like to be a patron, just head over to patreon.com slash But tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... You gotta love the 16-bit era of music. (laughs) So this is a game that I was absolutely not expecting to review 
as soon as two weeks ago. Because I was actually having a conversation with Jason. Like, I have no clue what I want to review for Halloween Horror Month. And he asked the question, are there any Super Nintendo or Genesis horror-themed games we haven't reviewed yet? So I literally Google best horror games for the Super Nintendo. And the first, or one of the first ones that came up is the game that I will be reviewing tonight. And that is Ghoul Patrol, a Super Nintendo video game that is the sequel to Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Did you have any idea until I told you there was a sequel to that game? And I, as much of a fan of Zombies Ate My Neighbors as I am, love that game. I had no clue there was a sequel to it. Or at least this wasn't advertised as a sequel to it. I have no recollection of this game whatsoever. Like, I remember in Nintendo Power, they had a story on Zombies Ate My Neighbors. And I still feel like that game, like, it has its cult following. But I don't remember it being that big of a commercial success as far as the mainstream goes. Yeah. Um, well, Zombies Ate My Neighbors was, was somewhat successful. It wasn't a huge hit, but it was a cult hit. And it was right. one of those games that, like, you, you know, it, it it had a cult following. Like, you and your friends knew about it. It was like, man, this game's so awesome when, you know, you play on Friday nights. But it wasn't really a mainstream hit, which is surprising that they made a sequel to it. And honestly, I'd never even heard of this until you said you were going to do it. So, I, when I was reading the article, it literally said in the first sentence, the lesser-known sequel to Zombies Ate My Neighbors, and I was like, holy crap, I had no clue that this game even existed. And not even looking up what the game was, I'm like, this is what I'm going to review. Because just the fact that it was a sequel in a game that I had no clue even existed was what intrigued me. But uh, it was released in September of 1994, believe it or not, by LucasArts. Hmm. Because Konami did the first game, yeah. uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors, but when I started playing the game and the LucasArts logo popped up, I was like, wait a minute. They they didn't do Zombies Ate My Neighbors, so I thought it was weird that LucasArts, because they were pretty big around that time, and I, I just was shocked that they were doing this game. But um, as far as the plot of the game, it stars uh, Zeke and Julie, who you remember from the first game. Essentially what happens is they find this book that's locked away in a treasure chest and these monsters come out of the book and they want to take over earth as well as conquer other dimensions. So it's Zeke and Julie's job to stop these monsters from doing that. Now, as far as sequels go, I've preached on this show that I love games that keep the basic formula of a sequel or of the original game and they build on it in the sequel. You know, they don't completely change it, but they just tweak it a little bit to make it seem like a different experience. And that's exactly what happened with Ghoul Patrol. As soon as you start playing, you feel like you're in the Zombies Ate My Neighbors universe again, so which is not a bad thing whatsoever. Even but though they it was actually, made by, like, I don't understand how, uh, why did it jump from Konami to Lucasfilm? I have no idea. But it, you said it still looks like Zombies Ate My Neighbors, though, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, looks the same, weird. plays the same. Hmm. It, it honestly 
because it's been a bit since I played the first one because I reviewed it, I think, two, three years ago on mm-hmm. this show. But as I was playing it, the memories of the controls and everything kind of came back to me. And it's similar in the sense that you have to rescue a certain number of people before you can move on to your next area. But the cool thing is, is that you have a little um, counter at the top of your screen that tells you how many people you have to rescue. And then as you rescue them, the countdown decreases so that when it hits zero, then, you know, your exit pops up much like in the first game and you move on to your next area. Yeah. So I, I thought that addition was really cool. And also, as you're walking around, you'll see these little word balloons like from comic books that will say, like, help me or over here. And if you pay attention to where on screen they come from, if you go in that direction, you will eventually find the victims. Okay. So little nuances like that is what I really liked about the additions to this game. And I can't preach enough how much I like the music in this game. And I like the music from the first one, too. Mm-hmm. But there's a, I believe it's the third world, you go to the Caribbean. But it has this almost like a Jamaican, not like on the level of Bob Marley, but music you think that would fit the Caribbean type of area. Yeah. And you immediately start in this graveyard when you're fighting like these undead corpses, but you're listening to Jamaican music, which I thought was actually kind of cool. Hmm. But the the music is very fitting to every world you're in. And there are five different worlds. There's uh, Metropolis, which is like your basic city type world. You go to China, you go to the Caribbean, uh, the UK, and to the underworld. I only made it to the UK. I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't make it to the final uh, world. But the cool thing is, is that like with the Caribbean, you feel like you're in like the age of pirates and the age of yeah. exploration. Where you're in the UK, it's like you're in medieval times. So there's some cool variety that I really like when it comes to games like this because I don't really classify this as a platformer but like your top-down view uh, type of games I I love the variety how you hop from one world to the next and it doesn't feel like the exact same thing yeah I I just looked up uh, Ghoul Patrol on eBay and a copy these days is going to run you about a cool 180 bucks Somehow that's not surprising. Yeah, I figured that it would probably be that way because they probably didn't make too many of these. Being a sequel yeah, like, and also in 1994, you know, you're getting to the end of the Super Nintendo, you know, right before, you know, <clears throat> PlayStation's dropping at this point. The 64 is going to be out soon. And they probably didn't make very many of these. No, and it's interesting because there are a lot of hidden gems from the end of specific consoles yeah like i always point out conquer's bad fur day how it was the last big game for the n64 because it came out i think like six or seven months before the gamecube did yeah it always seems to be the 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 way there's always like these great games that come out at the end of a games you know a video console or a console cycle and you know nobody played it and now it's worth a ton of money. Like, look at Little Samson for the Nintendo. Like, great game, but you're going to pay $800 for a copy of it. So, 
And that's why I think Nintendo just needs to put all this stuff on some sort of downloadable service. You'll make money, Nintendo. Why do you hate making money? We could make a ton of money if we could answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as uh, other aspects of the game, so you get uh, power-ups and whatnot, kind of like you did in the first game. One that specifically stood out to me was in the... Uh, the, I believe it was the yeah the Caribbean world. You get this potion that actually turns you into a reaper, hmm. which I think is really cool because like you just drink it and you instantly turn into a floating reaper with a giant scythe. So <laughs> you, you you become more powerful when you do that. That's awesome. So yeah, the, it's it's a fun game. If you like zombies ate my neighbors, you'll love Ghoul Patrol because it's I kind of compare it to Zombie Land too. Like, I love the original Zombieland. It's arguably one of my top ten favorite movies. Yeah. And the sequel, while not as good, in my opinion, is still very solid. Yeah. And definitely worth checking out. So that's how I look at Ghoul Patrol. And even the some of the character designs are really cool. Like, the one that stood out to me from what I can remember, the boss from the China section of the game, you fight this like undead giant samurai that has the head of a skull, but it's like he has the arms of the freaking Terminator yeah. and the cape of Batman. <laughs> it's like, like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, that's why like, I loved like, uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors so much, just the, from the the artistic aspect of it alone, just the, the, from the level design to the character design, the weird weapons, and that you know, like a, using a weed whacker. <laughs> to take down enemies is like this game is I remember when the first time I rented that game when I was a kid I didn't know what the game was I had never heard anything about it I saw it for rent at Blockbuster and I rented it cuz I was like what the hell is this so I rented it and fell in love with it I I must have played that game I must have put 100 hours into that game I loved it so much well, it's one of those games that you can pick up and within the first couple of minutes, you know how to play it. Yeah. But that's not a knock on the game. Like, I think it's perfect for what it needs to be. And that is just a fun game that you can sit down and have almost some mindless fun with it. Like, you don't have to really think on it too much. Yeah. You just walk around killing zombies and other <laughs> undead creatures. I mean, yeah. who doesn't like that? And there's like a thousand levels in it, too. So <laughs> It's not something you're going to beat in like, you know, 10, 20 minutes. Which that is my one critique. One of my few critiques with this game is that it's shorter mm. than Zombies Ain't Married because there's only five worlds. Yeah, I was looking at through. that on here. There's Metropolis, uh, United States, Ming Dynasty, China to Japan, Dominican Republic, Caribbean Sea, Medieval World, United Kingdom, and Underworld. Um, so I imagine there's probably sub-worlds in there for those, but man, like Zombies Ate My Neighbors had so many freaking levels in it. Well, there are sections to each world, so say like you rescue the victims you need to, the exit pops up, and then you move on to the next portion. And then you do that until you eventually get to your boss. Yeah, Mixmaster said his girlfriend played it when she was a kid, and he was so excited that she knew what it was. <laughs> that... That is cool. If you find somebody yeah. who knows what Zombies Ate My Neighbors is, that's like, you know, that's a kindred spirit right there. Absolutely. 
The other critique, and man, I hate to say it, Mm -mm. password system. Ah, that was the big thing I hated about the first game. I could overlook it because it was at least legible, like an easy password system. Yeah, and that's how it is with this. It's like five or six digits. It just numbers and letters. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I get it, but we had other games that came out before this that have (laughs) save-abilities. We had the technology. We had the technology on the previous console. Yeah, we had the technology in Legend of Zelda to save games. It's literally a watch battery used to save your games. Why were we not using that technology to save games on on cartridges? Beyond me. I have absolutely no idea. Like I have no patience for it. Like the older I get, if I come across a game that does that has a password system and it's not easy, like an easy password system, like I can get over Metroid you know, not having a password system because I, you know, I played that game to death as a kid, so I can give it a pass. But once you get into like the nineties, once you're past nineteen ninety, and you have a password system, I am you, your your game is done to me. I don't have time for that foolishness. Major respect is lost. Yes, when that happens. But as far as the reception of the game goes, uh, GamePro commented that Ghoul Patrol is the closest you can get to the acclaimed Zombies Ate My Neighbors, and it's a worthy successor. They particularly praised the outrageous 360-degree shoot-em-up action and detailed cartoony graphics. That's another thing, too. The graphics for this game are really good for Super Nintendo standard graphics. Yeah. Like, there's some really good detail in it. Uh, I I thought it was I thought the graphics were really good. When you have um, those electro- stylized graphics like that, it's really easy to make things look good. You know, mm-hmm. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a seven point eight out of ten, calling it a worthy sequel to Zombies Ate My Neighbors and a great salute to old late night horror movies. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what I gave Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I should have went back and listened to the episode before I listened to this, but. I would call this a very solid follow-up to Zombies Ate My Neighbors and absolutely worth playing. Zombies barely edges it out, but maybe by like a point. So if I gave Zombies Ate My Neighbors, say like an eight and a half, I give this like a seven and a half. That's bad, not bad. Just, just in the, we'll, we'll say an eight. I'll give it an eight. Yeah, I'm gonna because the, the level design is really good. The controls are tight. It's easy to hop in and play. I just wish that there were maybe another two levels. Yeah. And get rid of that password system. Maybe we should design a game. Get with some game designers. We'll do a part three to Zombies Ate My Neighbors, but it'll be Nerd Cave uh, Ate My Neighbors, and it'll be me and you, best playable characters in the game, (laughs) and we're fighting zombies, and... Dracula and vampires, and it'll be awesome. Robots. Uh, what would what would our uh, weapons be? Um. Well, I would have. Uh, I can throw drumsticks and kill things. Um. Either that or, uh, well, you'd have to have the water gun because that was like the standard uh, weapon. 
in the game, mm-hmm. but you know, I could have something like uh, you know, drumsticks or something or something like that. I could um since I work for a baseball team, I could use a baseball bat. Yeah, you could use a baseball bat. Like my drumsticks could act like uh boomerangs. Like I could throw them and it would slice everything on the screen and come back to me. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. You could be like the longer range fighter and I could be the close up. Yeah, so who wants to develop this with us? We have any uh uh game developers out there, hit us up and we'll we'll make this thing. I, I want it to happen. Yeah. No, here here's <laughs> what we should also do. We should get Wally in on this too. Yes. Write write the movie script for Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Why not? <laughs> that that should have been done already. Wally, get on it. Let's do this. Yep. Conference call after Conference the show. call. Let's do this. Let's get this thing written. <laughs> it writes itself. So let's yeah. do this. But no, I, my overall thoughts, Ghoul Patrol, definitely check it out. It's a, to me, an underrated gem for the Super Nintendo. Worthy of a follow-up from Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Check it out. Really fun game. Fantastic. Well, um... I'm really excited to hear your Facebook rant. So let's uh, let's have you rant away, my good my good sir. Okay, so this past Monday I hosted a live show uh, listing my top five horror movies as a way to kick off Halloween Horror Month for the Derek Diamond Experience. Now, for those who remember my morning show that I did back during the summer, I would play music as almost like a warm up to when the show would start. Mm-hmm. So I had the idea, well, why don't I play Monster Mash while I'm getting the show set up, and then whenever I'm ready, I'll just fade the music out, and we'll be done, just like I used to do with the Daily Diamond show. Mm-hmm. So I do that, I'm getting everything ready, and then I get this notification that says uh, this video contains, contains something belonging to another party your video will no longer be able to be discovered on Facebook. <laughs> so uh, I had to start over and do everything all over again. That sucks. I hate Facebook. I don't know why you're still there. You should just get all your people to move over here to Twitch. I thought about honestly just switching over to Twitch or to YouTube or yeah. both. I, I do have Streamlabs now. Yeah, because so. face, Facebook is horrible. I hate it. It needs to just go away. Well, I know I've told you. I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show, but I deleted the Facebook app from my phone a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I only keep it active just to promote stuff. That's the only reason I keep a Facebook, too, is to retweet shows, and that's it. That's I just I got tired it. of people arguing over the dumbest shit. Yeah. Yep. Like, guys, there's there's more to life than venting something that, you know, you shouldn't even be this upset about on social media. <laughs> go outside. Go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Listen to this podcast. Go for a walk in the park. Go, to, yeah. go for a walk in your neighborhood. Go, go pet a dog. <laughs> go, yeah, go pet a dog. Yeah, go pet a doggy and... Oh, You'll feel better afterwards. Say hi to an old lady or something, you know? Like, do something nice. Yeah. That's all I got to say true. about that. That's, that, that's, 
it's not much of a rant. It's just the fact that Facebook continues to piss me off. Yeah, that's why I left. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, but next week, uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and do uh, Rondo of Blood next week. So I have to play the hell out of it this weekend. Um, Excited I to hear that. I also have to, speaking of Castlevania, I am going to be a part of October's RGB High Score Tournament playing Castlevania. My time slot is 8 to 10 p.m. Central, Friday, October 16th. So if you'd like to hop on my channel, watch me play some Castlevania. I've been practicing last few days. Uh, I have a save state right at Dracula, and I've been trying to beat him, and he's been whipping my ass because I, I'm i just not as good as I used to be. I used to be able to beat that game, and now I can't because I'm old and slow. <laughs> so I have to practice beating Dracula. You'll get there. I'll I'm get excited there. to watch it. I'm just, I'll be happy if I can beat it in under 30 minutes. If I can do it in under 30 minutes, I'll be happy. I have all the faith that you will. So if you'd like me, if you'd like to watch me practice, I'll be practicing on Twitch over the next week. And then, of course, the 16th. Um, uh, it'll be 8 to 10. So anything you'd like to throw out there before we leave tonight? Yeah, just as always, check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. For those who didn't watch the live show, I'll be posting the audio version of my top five horror movie list, which you'll be happy to know I defended the hell out of Halloween 3. Sweet. I went on for like five plus minutes about that movie. Dude, did you see the uh, the meme I made the other day? The guy sitting at the table with the coffee and it said Halloween 3 is the best Halloween movie. Changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, I got I quite a few. Great. I got quite a few people replying to that. There's a lot of hate for that movie. and I don't get it. It's unnecessary because people are comparing it to the other films yes. in the franchise. So but you say, can't just, do that. You got to look at it as its own thing. Don't look at it as a Halloween franchise movie just look at it on its own merits because if you're going there looking for laurie strode or michael myers or uh anybody else what was the what's uh what's his name's character um dr loomis if you're looking for dr loomis none of them are in this movie it's a completely different story plus true halloween fans would know why that movie's that way exactly yeah, because it was supposed to be an anthology series, but everybody's like, no, we want Michael Myers back. So we had to bring him back from the dead for like 18 more movies. That's what we did in the 80s. Yep. Yeah, but um, other than that, um, I know at some point this month we'll be doing a roundtable for my show on the Evil Dead franchise, which you and I have got to talk about. That. I know, we got to figure that out. We also have, yep. uh, we're doing a guest spot tomorrow night for, what, uh, what podcast is it? Uh, stand by. Uh, I'll go. I forgot. Let me check real quick. Uh, there's another podcast asked me and Derek to be on tomorrow night. So after I do open micers at seven, we will be doing this other podcast at eight. When I'm trying to remember who it was, it is. It doesn't mention the name, but it's a Star Wars based podcast. Yeah, it's based out of New Orleans. Oh, it's. The Who Dat Jedi Podcast. Oh, yeah, the Who Dat Jedi Podcast. So go check them out. And uh, me and Derek will be on this week's episode. And also, this past week, I was on the Lights, Thunder, Action Podcast with uh, my good friend Thomas Carter Rochester, who's a local actor. Uh, just talk about, 
you know, my journey in podcasting and filmmaking. And we also talk about like the latest nerd pop culture news. So you can check out Lights Thunder Action Podcast anywhere you get your podcast. That was a really fun time. Uh, Mixmaster, I do not know if they do live shows. I don't believe so. They didn't mention it being live. So it may yeah. just be audio only. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Um, and also uh, go listen to last week's episode of the uh, Open Micers with Mr. Steve, with our good friend, Mr. Steve Wise. That was a really fun episode to do because Steve is just a, a wellspring of knowledge about writing, movies, uh, making short films, making films. So go listen to that episode. I implore you. It was very fun. Very good yeah, episode it was, to do. It was a very good show. But uh, but think that's just about it. What do you say? We ready to get out of here? I believe so. All right. Well, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Don't forget our 200th episode is coming up. Get those uh, MP3s into us about why you like the show or your best uh, retro gaming memories. Also, we are at, we are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at, at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. If I can talk, <laughs> uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And of course, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where you can throw us a couple of bucks a month to keep the lights on. And we do those really cool commentary tracks for you. Um, if you can't do that, can't throw us a couple of bucks a month, I understand. Times are hard. Go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Might as well jump. I have spoken. <laughs>